you got a Bible this morning, go to Hebrews uh, chapter, chapter 12. And uh, while you're getting there, a couple things for you. This weekend, this Saturday, Friday, Friday. Friday, four to seven, we are doing um, we are doing caroling at Barkley Village, in the gazebo, four p.m. to seven p.m. Uh, the cool thing about carols is we all know them. Everyone can sing loud. We're even going to encourage anybody that's around just come and join us. But if you're interested in doing caroling, um, Nick is in the back with a clipboard, and if you're and so there's lovely Nick, and he's so lovely, and. <laughs> And he's got a clipboard in the back, so we'll just be signing everybody up on the end. If you and just feel free to show on up; it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have a lot of good times. So four to seven, and uh, that's what we're going to do. So Hebrews chapter twelve, and the verse is starting. You know, back when I used the paper Bible, it was easier. Nah. <laughs> Hebrews 12, I think it's verse 2. But the title of today's message is, uh, we're in part three of this whole thing on joy. Uh, Paths of joy. Joy for today, joy for tomorrow. Uh, Another way of saying that is joy in my heart today and a hope for tomorrow. I, I think God has so much for us in the place of joy and joy is really our staying power to be able to do anything. Um, so I, I just really want to believe today that God has made us for joy, not for duty, but for joy. So I just want to pray, and then we'll, we'll step in. God, I thank you for every uh, amazing person here. This is such an honor to get to bring your word to this crew today. And um, God, I, God I, I pray that we wouldn't hear Jeremy Schwader talk today. I hear when we hear Jesus Christ talk to us today. I, I pray, God, that you would... Speak to each one of us, provoke us, cut us to the heart, draw us to you, God. I, I pray every dead thing will fall away and the things that are you to remain. Um, change us, work in us, speak to us, speak to us, God, we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Psalm 1611, hold your finger in Hebrews. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the paths of life. In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. You make known to me the path of life. That is how to live, how to go, all that stuff. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Back in college, I was sitting with my roommate, Mark. And uh, well, not sitting. He was in the top bunk and I was in the bottom bunk. And he was telling me all about how his life I uh, felt like everything was going wrong. He, he, uh, the girl he liked wasn't interested. His finances were kind of messed up. He was getting a bunch of bad grades in school. Everything was falling apart. And I remember in that moment, I just kind of this, this hope thing built up in me. And I, I said to him, I just said, oh, Mark, like God, God loves us so much. And I just remember praying. And then it was like the presence of God just kind of came in the room. And it felt like I was lying on a bottom of a pool with like 30 feet of water, like crushing onto me, but it just was his love, like crushing in on my heart. And I was just like, and I'm like, this wasn't even for me. This was like for my buddy, Mark. I'm like, I'm really glad I was here. 
But God, God so wants us to experience and know his love. This whole thing in Christ is not meant to just be an intellectual exercise that you, and sometimes you just don't feel it, right? But it's not meant to just be an intellectual exercise, but we're meant to encounter the love of God, the joy of God, the hope of God right now. I know for me, I have tasted of him that it don't matter what I experience from here on out. I am forever marked. I have to follow Jesus with everything in me because I've encountered him, because he's impacted my heart, because I know that I know that I know that he is who he says he is, that he is good and he's for me. That is tattooed on my heart. So I'm never going to be the same because of that. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand is pleasure forevermore. Got three thoughts for you this morning. One, choosing joy. Two, sowing joy. And three, guarding joy. Choosing joy. Matthew 13, 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a very precious treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells everything that he has and he buys that field, securing the treasure for himself. God is basically saying, Jesus was saying to people, look, knowing me, being in my presence, experiencing me is so precious that you would give, a wise person would give everything that they own just for that. A mentor of mine, a guy named Arvin Zorga, he, I think he lived to about 90, 98, 99. I was in his living room one day and he said this to me. He's, he said, you know, Jeremy, a bunch of years ago, I was having my time, I was reading my Bible, I was seeking God, and um, all of a sudden the tangible presence of God just showed up. Just bam, right then. And he said this, and he didn't leave for six months. Every morning, every night, he woke up, he went to sleep, and he just knew God was there. Can you imagine? Everywhere you go, everything that happened. And then after six months, it lifted, and he was like, what did I do wrong? What happened? God's like, no, 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 that was just a foretaste. I just wanted you to experience that. That is a foretaste of what I have for you. If, think back to a time, and maybe you're like, I don't know a time, but maybe today's that day for you, where you sensed God in the room. You sense a space of peace, you sense a piece of joy. You sense a, a sense of like holiness, like, wow, God's here. You, you sense something that's more than just you. That is a foretaste, a small little foretaste of what God has for you and for me, for our fullness in our life. The kingdom of heaven is like a precious treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. I can tell you that once you taste of who God is, nothing ever satisfies again. It's just not good enough. I don't care what the world has to offer. It's just not good enough. It's not exciting enough. It's not perfect enough. He really is way better way better to know him, to walk with him. He's worth selling everything for, cashing in and saying, I'm all in. In his presence, his friendship, his very person, that's what, that's what we're after. 
Now, this verse really twisted my noodle for a long time. James 1 verse 2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you come into troubles of many kinds. Now, I'm not super excited about troubles. I don't know about you. But I don't always consider it joy to be in the midst of a trouble. But here this guy James is saying, consider it joy. Count it all joy. Be happy in the midst of a trial. Goes on to say that the testing of your faith will bring a perseverance, a transformation. There will be something good that will happen in and through your life in the midst of hardship. Nobody knows this better than Jesus. That verse I, I told you to go to in Hebrews, it said that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Get this. Jesus had so much joy that he went to the cross. How happy do you have to be to get crucified? How joyful do you have to be to go through a rigged trial where they bring up false witnesses, they defame your name, all of your friends and everyone close to you deserts you. You see your mom off in the distance weeping as you're dying on the cross. People that are being crucified next to you are insulting you. And it was through all of that suffering, isolation, shame, all of it, pain that Jesus actually had joy. The joy in him and the joy for him was so massive, he said to himself, this is worth it. That's a lot of joy. I, I can say this, I don't think jo Jesus was happy that they were nailing him to the cross. It actually says in that same verse, it says that he despised the shame. In other words, he looked at that whole thing of what was going on with the cross and he despised it. He despised the, the, the whips, the, the crucifixion, the shame, all of the gunk of it. He's like, this is not how it's supposed to be. He, he wasn't happy, excited to be killed. He wasn't happy, excited to see all that happen. No, in fact, he's like, this is wrong. This should not be. This is not how it's supposed to be. But he endured because of the joy that was before him. He said, I'm going through this because there's something way better on the other side. You guys, if Jesus could push through, go to the other side because of what he saw, what did he see? What did Jesus see that he was willing to go to the cross and through the cross? Daniel 7. This is God Daniel in the Old Testament. Gets a vision. And in the vision, he says, I saw this one called the Ancient of Days. In other words, God, seated on a throne. And there's all these ones attending to him and, and, and worshiping him and serving him. And then I saw another one coming on the clouds, like the Son of Man. He says his word, the Son of Man, rising on the clouds. And to him was given a kingdom. And he came and he sat with the, the Ancient of Days on his throne. And then this one, this ancient of, this, this son of man gave the kingdom to his saints. Daniel gets all this and he said, I was very perplexed and troubled. 
He basically was like, this is all too much for me. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. What Jesus had set before him was this. He knew that on the other side of the cross, he had total victory over everything. That as he pushed through the shame, the hardship, the pain, the rejection, the isolation, all of this stuff, he had a joy in his heart because he knew on the other side, all these people are gonna be set free. He knew that on this side, all of creation was gonna bow its knee. He knew that in the end, as he pushed through, he won. Satan would bow. Every demonic thing would bow. Sickness would bow. Everything would shift as he pushed through. But first, for the joy set before him, he endured. What's set before you? What's, what's in front of your vision? That's the goal in front of your heart. What, what is on that? What, what motivates you in the morning to press through? Maybe you're right now like, my hope meter seems kind of low. I'm really not having a lot to set through. I'm just kind of looking forward to my caffeine each morning. But if we have a clarity of a vision of what God has for us, we will have an endurance, and not just an endurance, a joy, because there's hope in this. You're not working hard for working hard's sake. God has something specific for you. And that specific thing that he has for you is, come with me, I have overcome, you can overcome with me. It actually even says this, and I, this blows me away. 2 Timothy 2.12 says this, if we endure, we will also reign with him. What? Jesus conquers everything. When he left his disciples, he went up into the clouds. You know where he went from? After the clouds, he went right to the ancient of days. He went right to the father. The father says, son, come and sit. Here's your kingdom. And now he is waiting for his second return where he will look to all those who trusted him and say, come and rule with me. Come, come into your inheritance. You're gonna get to overcome everything because I overcame. But will you endure Will you endure in this moment? Because I have something that's going to be so good for you. Choosing joy. Darlene Check, she wrote this old song called uh, Shout to the Lord. Anybody know that song? Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. <laughs> she wrote this song, um, that song, and... and Think she was in her mid-30s and she had a baby and she was excited for the baby to come and get pregnancy. Something wasn't feeling right. She goes to the hospital and she finds out that she is actually in the midst of a miscarriage. She's going to lose the baby. She loses the baby. She's in the hospital and she hears the Spirit of God speak to her heart and say this, Darlene, worship. You know her response? No. Darlene, open your heart, worship. <sighs> no. And again, the third time, the Spirit of God just keeps coming to her heart. Open your heart to me. 
Open your heart to me. And this song rose out of her heart. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. So she lifts this song of praise to God. She set her gaze from the miscarriage. God was like, get your eyes off this. Get your eyes on me. Get your eyes off this. Put your eyes on me. And so she lifted her eyes. And in that moment, you know what happened? God's presence met her. The peace of God came in. Joy came. Peace came. Supernaturally, not because she was really happy or she was what? No, but because she postured your heart to what she was set upon was not the talking heads on the news or the whatever happening or the miscarriage or the trial, but she turned her attention, set her gaze, Jesus. I set my gaze on Jesus. And in that, Jesus met her. I wonder if we get met by whatever we get, we set our eyes upon. Choosing joy. Second one is uh, sowing joy. You know, there's a lot of times, just like Darlene, where you get a, feels like you can get a punch to the gut. Sickness, job loss. You just feel like you're failing. I think these are times when our hope meter can get kind of low. Um, it's a time in those moments where we can struggle with what we're going to do. Everything can get kind of bleak. You know, when Raul Chavez passes away, we're like, man, this, this is really hard. That's a time, though, in those we need to make sure that our hearts are filled with hope. Psalms 126 says this. This is a beautiful prayer that I think we all could pray at some point. God, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the desert. And then he's got this promise in his heart. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Next slide. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. That's, that's all the harvest. He's bringing it all with him. So picture this. Here's a person in heartache, in weeping, in struggling, and you have two choices when you're in the place where your hope meter's low, you're not feeling well. You can do two things. You have resource in your hands. You have time, you have money, you have relationships. You got all these things in your hands. You have two things you can do with it. You can eat it. You can sow it. I can sow what God gives me. I can eat it. I can spend it, my money, my time, my energy, my affection, or I can invest it. I can invest with my mouth or I can complain with my mouth. I can invest with my energy or I can try to comfort myself with my energy. You see, when you invest seed, you don't get anything in that moment. You put it in the ground with this hope that something's going to come from it and you don't get anything in the moment. That's called faith. Faith is investing what I have now with the hopes that it will bring a return later. What do you have? Now think about this. You might be like, dude, I don't, I don't have time in the morning to spend time with God. I don't have time at night. I have no time in my life to pursue a relationship with God or, or whatever. I would say, yeah, you do. You got 30 seconds. You got two minutes. 
you got 20 minutes, you, whatever you have, you have something in your life to invest in the right direction. You can invest with your mouth and get this. Romans, if you're writing anything, write this down. Romans 8, 28. If you get anything out of this sermon this morning, get this. This verse, I think it'd be an anchor for any of us for an entire life. And we know that for those who love God, how many things? All things. Really? Yeah. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For we know that those who love God, all things. Not some things, not part of the things, but all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. With my mouth, with my mind, here's my question to you. Do you love him this morning? Maybe you're like, not very much, but maybe you're like, it's a weak love, but it's real. I love God, I'm really bad at it, but I love him, okay? Do you love him? And are you called to his ways? In other words, are you trying to align your heart and your life towards his ways? If you can answer yes to both of those questions, God's response to you is, okay, I'm gonna make everything work out for your good. So think about this. Think about this when it comes to your job, your relationships, your struggles, your finances, your marriage, or whatever. I love God. I'm trying to align myself to his ways. That means when he says something, I'm doing my best to follow after him. If that's true, that means when things fall apart, he has a plan. It means that nothing surprises him. This means that this will work out for my good. It means that I won't be destroyed. It means that he cares about me. It means that something good is around the corner from this dark thing that I see. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, period. I can eat my seed or I can sow my seed. I can spend my time or I can invest my time. When the hope meter gets low, I need something for tomorrow. And I've learned this, that what I invest today impacts me tomorrow. So there's times when three months ago or two years ago, I made an investment in relationship and doing the right thing and spending time with God and in any of those spaces. And I find that investment from two years ago impacts me today. What I sow today will have tons of impact for what I do later. But what am I sowing or am I spending it? With my mouth, with my mind, with my action, with the seed in your hand, what are you gonna do with it? How are you going to spend it or invest it? Sowing joy. And, and, and I wanna give you guys this kind of a word picture. I was thinking about this. Uh, Christmas, take away the lights, take away the presents, take away the cookies and the good food, take away the trees and all the stuff and all the music and all the lights, and we're all like, man, it's December, it's cold, and it's kind of bummed out. I'm kind of bummed out. But when you flick the lights on, someone puts in the, 
the pie into the oven, we, we do something more than just say, well, here we are, but we invest in the season as a family, as people. We say, we're going to bring cheer and joy. It impacts everyone, right? It's an investment to make Christmas awesome. It's an investment to make your relationship with God something that you're excited about. It's an investment into your future to say, I'm not going to stay here, but I'm going to move on. So what will I invest? And I would say in all circumstances to know my God is here for me, that he, that he truly is, um, he will work out everything for my good. We put the lights up, we buy the presents, we cook the food, we write the cards, and what was dark, what was cold, what was wet is one of our favorite times of the year. Choosing joy, sowing joy, guarding joy. Proverbs 4.23, this is a big deal. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Oh, man. What comes out of my heart is a direct connection to what I believe and the level of hope that's in there. Did you know what I actually said? Book of Exodus. Moses is talking, goes to the people of Israel. God sends him to go free the people. And he goes to the elders of Israel, sits down with them and says, God wants to set you free from this slavery. He wants to take you out of Egypt and bring you into a promised land. You know what it said there? They didn't believe them because they had no hope in their hearts. You guys, there are people all around us and maybe you're here today, you're like, the hope meter is kind of low. God wants to inspire some hope again. It doesn't have to stay this way. There's people all around us where the hope meter's low. And we, if we, what would look like if we started making investments in people around us and say, you know what, God has something better. It doesn't have to stay this way. There's hope for you right now. And that investment right there might spark something in a heart that said, maybe I don't have to live in slavery forever. Maybe I don't have to stay like this, but God has something for me. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. It kind of makes me think of Mark 4. God was speaking to me a lot about Mark 4 last week. And Mark 4 is a parable of the sower, and it talks about these four different types of hearts, kind of like soil. And, and there's a heart that's like a heart path, and that's the one with no hope in it. It's trodden down, and it's hard. It's been stepped on. Things have happened in life. And if you throw seed on that ground, it's just going to sit on the top. And eventually, that word, that hope is going to get stolen away. A bird's going to come and eat it. And then there is hard hearts, or sorry, rocky hearts. And those are hearts with a bunch of rocks in them. And that's, that's the bitterness in my heart. That's the, that's the unforgiveness in my heart. That's the offense in my heart. And if I sow the word of God, the hope of God, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, or God's going to work out everything for my good. And I got offense in my heart and I got struggle in my heart and I put that in there, that seed is going to grow, but it's going to have a hard time because it's really hard to trust God when I'm angry at my wife. (laughs) The truth is the best way to have a heart that can have the seed of God growing in it is if I can remove those rocks. The third is 
a heart filled with weeds. And this is distractions and cares and responsibilities and temptations and desire for money. I'm too distracted to remember, to hear. So the promise gets choked out in my heart and then all the noise of everything going on. And lastly is an open heart. No rocks, no weeds. It's not trodden down by what other people have done. But my heart is tilled and ready to receive. Hosea 10, 12 says, Break up your hard ground, for it's time to seek and search diligently for the Lord and to long for his blessing until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. For my God works out everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Is that seed in your heart today? Like really, is that seed in your heart today? In his presence, Psalm 16 is the fullness of joy. Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? Because he knew that on the other side of the cross, he wins. Do you know that on the other side of this hardship, this struggle, trusting in Jesus through it, this enduring faith, do you know that you win? That all of your dreams, it says this, that it pleasures forevermore at his right hand. In other words, your hopes, your fulfillments, your desires are on the other side of enduring through what God has. Do you know that? Leah knows that. Cat knows that. Choosing joy. Sowing joy. Guarding joy. You know, lies can be a big deal because they sure feel true. And, uh, hey, Marcus, could you just pop up and play something fancy? Really fancy. I'm, I'm hoping for lots of let <laughs> me um, just close your eyes picture your heart this morning it's a piece of uh, it's, like a, it's like a garden what's growing there is it like a path been trodden down kind of hard is it uh, filled with rocks and you got some offense and frustrations and bitterness and Maybe there's some good soil growing, but it's having a hard time getting through. Are there a bunch of weeds, distractions, temptations, stuff flowing everywhere, and you got God's word, but it's kind of getting choked out because of all the noise? Might be time to pick some weeds. God's desire is that each of our hearts would be tilled ground, rich, dark soil, that when he tosses his word, it would go deep, and today you might not see the harvest, but in a couple days, in a, in a couple weeks, in a couple months, in a couple years, that harvest is going to keep growing. And what the result is, is his presence and joy. And we just kind of, everyone just kind of put your hands out in front of you and 
God, I just pray for anybody in this room that their heart just feels hard. Hope meter's low. They're having a hard time believing that who you are is who you really say you are. I just pray, God, today, God, would you show up and would you reveal the fact that Jesus, as you endured, you received everything that you hoped for. I pray for hope to increase. I pray that people in this room would dare to hope again. God, we pray for any heart with offense in it, God, any place where there's bitterness or struggle. God, we just want to release, surrender. We, we forgive God today. Anybody, God, that's wronged us. And we just say, God, I don't want any rocks in my heart. Pray that you would free us from every place of hardness. And lastly, God, every place of temptation, every place of distraction, every place, God, where we're walking in busyness and my mind is so filled. God, I I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, would you show us what it looks like to pull the weeds, to make space for you, to make head space. I think some of you have so much anxiety in your heart because of all the weeds. God, I just pray right now you would clear the hearts. In Jesus' name, we, we pray that we would step into the open soil of the heart. In Jesus' name.